Um, we're going to continue on with the relationship course or messages that Brian's been ministering on. And I knew he was going to be gone, but wasn't sure I was supposed to be the one preaching until I was driving back from Tennessee. And for five hours, God just downloaded in me. And I'm stupid, Siri. I'm driving down the road, and God's like, you know, saying this. And I'm like, oh, that's good. And I whip out my phone, and, you know, I can't text because I'm driving. So I'm like, talk to text. I'm like, Siri. And then I like forwarded the notes to myself, and I'm going, what the crud is this? And I couldn't read half of what Siri said because she doesn't understand Southern. Gosh. But it was some good stuff, and I deciphered it. So we're going to talk about honor <laughs> because honor is important to have in your marriage. Um, so I looked up in the Webster's Dictionary, honor, and I went to the old Webster's, you know, the original Webster's, the one where Webster was a Christian, not the one where the world took over Webster. So honor, according to the original Webster's Dictionary, means to dignify, to raise, to distinction, to elevate and rank, to exalt, to glorify, to treat in a complimentary manner. So how do we do that in our marriage? How do we do that with our husbands and our wives? I am so glad y'all asked. Y'all are just wonderful. Glad y'all are hungry to know this. Ephesians 5.25. We're going to start with the men. Since the men are the spiritual head of their homes, men, here's how you honor your wives. It says for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. Then in 1 Peter 5.7, it tells us, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Well, what does that mean for the husband? That means let your wife cast her cares on you. Let your wife come and talk to you. Men, I understand there are days that when your wife talks, what you hear is, wah, 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 wah. And the wife is just going, But occasion, <laughs> the men in the corner over here are agreeing. <laughs> Occasionally, you need to let your wife cast those cares on you. You are together. You are one. You need to honor her by listening to her because she is trusting you and she is confiding in you. Not only that, though, you need to honor her by doing the same. Share with her. Talk with her. Cast your cares on her some days. Now, together, you cast them on God. You're not asking her to solve them, and she's not asking you to solve them, but share with each other, and then together, go in prayer, and you know, there are days, well, today, today there was something that happened at work, and had the potential to really rile me up. One of those, and then I went, and nope. He's getting the word. I'm not going to talk to him. <sighs> okay. And I just... And I was like, yeah! And he boxed back. And he gave me some godly advice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. And I was like, okay. And I paced a few more laps. And then I was like, all right. I'm going to listen. I'm not going to let this defeat me. I am stronger than this. But for a minute, I needed to share with my husband. I needed to just kind of vomit on him, word vomit on him, and be like, you need to know what these people did. Thankfully, he came back to me. 
He let me vomit, word vomit on him. That's probably not a great word to use. He let me just explode on you know, him with my stuff. And he came back with God's answers. So this is the way you can honor your wives. And then lastly for the men, Romans 2.4. So many times, it's that woman you gave me, Lord. And you think of all the things that she needs to do to change. Well, it says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from sin? This is where you hear the, um, where people say it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Men, when you walk and you love your wives as Christ loved the church, when you let her come to you with her cares and you listen and you honor her and you give her that time, you are showing her the goodness of God. You are showing her the love of God. And trust me, I know there are days when Brian wanted to just shake me. I wasn't raised in the same Christian upbringing that he was raised in. I wasn't raised with you know the same background he was raised in. So in many ways, when we got married, he raised me to a degree. I was 21, but there were... I didn't, I was slapped full of fear. And he raised me in some ways of the Lord. But it was the goodness of God. It wasn't him screaming at me, why don't you get it? It wasn't him getting mad at me and exploding or storming out. It was the goodness of God that changed me. And so husbands, when you want your wives to change, when you need her to see you show her the goodness of God. You honor her with his love. And I guarantee you, she will start to change. Wives, honor your husbands. In the Proverbs 31, verse 11, it tells us, Her husband can trust her, and she will greatly enrich his life. Wives, he trusts her for a reason. She's not always being a nag or a nuisance. She's not always just criticizing him and finding everything wrong with him. She's putting her trust in him and she's honoring him and he trusts her. She greatly enriches his life. She doesn't pull him down, weigh him down with every problem under the sun. There's a difference in sharing with your husband and just constantly being a negative nag. And women can do that. But a Proverbs 31 woman, her husband trusts in her. He can come to her and say, look, I've got this going on or I've had this kind of day or I'm really thinking about this and I'd like your opinion. And he can trust in her to give him godly wisdom and godly counsel. She greatly enriches his life. And in Proverbs 31, 23, it says, Her husband is well known at the city gates where he sits with the other civic leaders. He is partially honored in that city because of her honor for him. When a woman lifts up her husband, people see that. Marriage today is so jacked up. It is, it is so common for, you know, Men, their wives are just the old ball and chain. They're constantly having to drag them around. You know, or the old lady. Got to go home to the old lady. And wives, we talk about our men like they're children. Like they can't think for themselves. That's junk. 
Your men is your men are honored because you honor them. So if it's not something that honors your man, shut your mouth and do not say it. Because if it's not honor and it's not love, it's not God and it doesn't need to be said. We have to realize that we aren't necessarily honoring the way they're acting today. We're honoring the man or the woman of God that God sees. We're honoring the man or woman of God that they're called to be. We are one. Y'all, what happens when, let's say you get in a plane, your head starts to rise with that plane. What happens to your body? I mean, I'm assuming your body isn't still on the ground at the CLT airport and your head's going off to Dallas somewhere. I'm assuming that if, if your head is going somewhere, your body's going with it. Correct? Well, if you were one, wherever you place your spouse, that's where you're going as well. So if you honor your spouse and you lift them up, you're going higher. But if you tear your spouse down and you're constantly berating them and just ripping them apart, you're doing the same thing to yourselves. You will only go as high as you let your spouse go. You're only going as high as you take your spouse with you. So how about lifting them up to Christ? Because the closer they are, that means the closer you are. There was, Brian's talked about this a little bit before, but he's made the comment before that he wouldn't be up here if it weren't for me. And I mean, the same goes vice versa. We both had those times. But I can tell you from my experience and my time, it was about 10 years ago we moved here. Rachel was six months old. And we had just bought our first home. Biggest thing we had ever done, buying a home together. Um, Just had a six-month, you know, we had a six-month-old baby. Still had baby weight on. Now had giant debt. We also owned our own business. And at the time, Brian was miserable in the business. And suddenly, Brian starts doing this. And starts pulling away. Well, here I am in a new town. I know no one. I'm hours away from any of our family. I'm, as a female, carrying extra weight. I'm self-conscious. Then as someone who is in the past had fear over finances, I see this large, large mortgage payment. And granted, I look at it now, and it's not quite so big, but then you might as well have said we owed a million gajillion dollars because any time I looked at the statement from the bank, that's what I saw. So there are all kinds of things going on where we should have been pulling together. It was, you know, not that it was tough times, but it was times where we could have fallen into weakness or, you know, whatever. And Brian was pulling away. And I had the temptation to think, okay, there's another woman. Well, there couldn't be another woman. The dude was always in my house. The only problem was he was always in his office playing video games or doing work or on the phone, but never with us. So, no, can't be another woman. He doesn't have time for that. You know, and then I'm like, well, it's me. It's got to be me. You know, so I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, well, I'm just a big old heifer. It's, it's my fault. And, you know, so then I start tearing down myself, which only makes things worse. Well, then God got a hold of me one day. And he said, instead of tearing yourself down and instead of fussing at him, why don't you give him to me? That's a really good idea, God. <laughs> so instead, I got on my knees and I paced the floor. But it wasn't in anger. 
I started pacing that floor. I laid hands on his pillow. I laid hands on his clothes. I laid hands on his car. I laid hands on his door. And I called him everything that the word of God says he is. You are a strong anointed man of God. You are a leader of this household. We have a love that is unbreakable. No man will tear apart. You love me with a love that is just unfathomable. And I you. We are a strong anointed couple together serving our Lord because at the time he didn't even want to go to church. So Lord, I thank you that daily we grow closer to you. I thank you that daily he leads us stronger and closer to you. That daily we grow closer together, tighter than we've ever been. I thank you that he is this and this and this and this. And I did this every day. And there were some days that I screamed at God, I'm doing this, why isn't he getting any better? And God said, baby, don't stop. All right, you said it. He is this and he is that. He is anointed, he is strong, he is a good man. He loves us, he loves his family. He loves you, he will serve you without question. He will serve you to the end of his days and I right alongside him. You will always be first in our lives and I will be his second. And suddenly he came out of his cave. And it didn't turn great overnight, but he sat in the living room with us. And then suddenly he started talking a little bit. And suddenly he wanted to start looking for a church. Then suddenly he started talking a lot. And he said, I just don't know what's been going on. But something just feels different. And I'm like, I'm so glad you said that. Let me tell you what's been going on. And so I told him the way it appeared on this end. And it crushed him to think that even for a millisecond, I could have thought that it had been, you know, another woman. Or I could have thought that he would have been out of love with me. Or I could have thought anything. It crushed him to realize that his actions had caused any doubt or despair but it lifted him to realize during all of that when so many women would have run off to mommy because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go home to mama because anything that goes wrong, girls want their mamas. But I didn't. I stayed put. I stayed planted. And I honored him by calling him those things that at the time were not. I honored him by lifting him up to God instead of tearing him down. He was tearing himself down enough. I didn't need to tear him down. He needed me to lift him up closer to God. And that's what I did. And it wasn't because I did that, but it was because the faith in God, the faith of God in me, helped to elevate him. It was because I was obedient in those actions. It was because I let love reign. Even on the days when I didn't like him. Because there were days when I'd pick up the phone and in my stupidity, I'd call mama and rah, 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 rah. And then I'd get off and I'd have to ask for God's forgiveness because I knew that was wrong. But God, I just don't like him today. But you love him. And we are one. And therefore, I love him. That's what kept this marriage going. And then there were days that I was the same way. I mean, even as recently as last year. I mean, we had a rough year last year with a lot of stuff going on. And there were days when I wasn't an asset to him. I wasn't a help to him. I probably added to his weight. 
but he gave me to God. He said, Lord, bless her. Give her what she needs. Give her the strength she needs. Give her the faith she needs, the peace she needs. And he lifted me up to God. And the great thing is, is we've done this so much with each other over the years that it doesn't take weeks and months anymore. Many times it doesn't even take days. It's, Lord, she needs a love that only you can give her. So I give her to you. And within hours, sometimes minutes, I'm just like, you know what, Brian? I don't know what's been going on, but I know you've been praying for me. And I thank you. That's how you honor your spouse. Anybody can tear someone down. But it takes someone strong to lift them up to God. Most of the things that destroy marriages are good things put in the wrong priority. I've been guilty of that. Our spouses come first before our kids, before our parents, before work, before life, before anything, even before church. Your spouse comes first. If you'll put up Ephesians 5.31, it says, As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. One of the greatest things you can do for your kids is to show them how marriage works. Pastor Brian has shown us that marriage is a picture of God's love. A love that is unbreakable. Never-ending, unconditional. We are never meant to be separated. God said, I'd never leave you nor forsake you. Well, if marriage is a picture of God's church and we're created to be one, how can you separate from yourself? There is no way for half of me to stay here and preach to you and the other half go in there and play with Luke. I'm either here or I'm there. When you are united as one, and Christ, as a married couple, you are one. There is nothing that can come between that. So if you put your kids or your parents or your job or stuff between you, you will never be a whole. You will never be operating in all that you were called to operate with in. You will never get done as much as you were called to get done. You're going to constantly feel like, I'm, I'm giving you everything I've got, Lord, but I just can't seem to get through. I'm working from dusk till dawn, but I just can't seem to make it work. Well, great. Where's your other half? Where have you left them? There's going to come a time when our kids have to leave us and become one with someone else. If we've put our kids between us and our spouse, suddenly we're going to realize half of us is over there and we don't know who they are. You can't be a whole if you put something between you. How different would this world be if we showed our kids that? How different would this world be if they realized that marriage is an unbreakable covenant, an unconditional love? Doesn't mean that every day is perfect. Doesn't mean that you like each other every day. But no matter what, I am there for you. I said I do till death do us part, so unless God takes me, I do. How different would our world be if kids had grown up seeing that? How differently would their marriages be if the picture of marriage that they had was something that was forever? 
that you fight for, not in. We show our kids that we fight for someone, not against someone. I guarantee you this world would look vastly different. I guarantee you there wouldn't be all these riotings and stupidity going on if parents had been raising kids together with the Word of God, the love of God. I mean, one of the biggest things right now on Facebook is that woman beating the dickens out of her son because he was out there riding. How differently would that kid be if his daddy had been there? Showing him what a man really is. How differently would it be for women if they had mothers there? Showing them to dress like a lady, not like a piece of trash. If their fathers had shown them how to honor their mother and love their mother, not to use her like something and throw her away tomorrow. There is a strength in marriage that this world needs. When we honor each other, we're not just helping each other out. We are setting this world up for success. We are setting the next generation up for success because a godly marriage is a foundation for everybody's upbringing. You have Christ, a life in Christ, and you have a godly marriage and everything else is built on top of it. How differently would this world look if we honored our spouse? How differently would our kids see their Heavenly Father? If they looked at their parents and saw two people that loved each other, marriage is a picture of the love of God. Well, if today I love Brian, but tomorrow he ticks me off and I just storm off, what is that going to say to my kids about the love of the Father? He's happy with me today, but if I mess up tomorrow... The seats of these churches would be overflowing if the picture of God was presented differently to them. Your marriage will never go to the places that God meant for it to go if you're constantly putting it on the back burner. If you're constantly saying there's something different. I'll get to it tomorrow. We're married. Where is she going to go? She'll be there. We can't put it on the back burner. We're not meant to do this alone. We're meant to make marriage a priority. Because when we aren't making our marriage a priority, we're not just putting our spouse on the back burner, we're putting ourselves as well. Because remember, you're one. So wherever he goes, that's where you go. So we need to be jealous like God is. God is jealous over you. Do you know that? It was the jealousy of God for you that sent Christ to the grave. Because he is jealous with a passionate jealousy. It's not a lustful jealousy like the world thinks. It's a passionate jealousy. It's a she is mine, he is mine, and I won't let hell take them. I will fight, I will give everything I have for them. What if our kids saw that? It would have been easy for me to tell Abigail one day, well, you know, when you were little, Daddy just got dumb. And well, you don't need to see that. You need to see a strong man. So, you know, we left and God will give me a strong man one day. Instead, she she saw a jealous wife. 
one who was jealous of her husband, who loved her husband enough to say, I don't care what I have to do. I don't care how long I have to do it. I will get on my knees. I will pace holes in this floor, but I am fighting for my husband. That's what we need to do with our marriage. In every area of this world, we hear practice makes perfect. You just keep at it. Practice makes perfect. Except for in marriage. Ask someone that's been married 10, 15, 20 years. How's it? How's marriage? Oh, girl, that honeymoon stage is over. You know, or someone, Barrett, she's getting ready to get married. I'm sure there are all sorts of people that will fill her with all kinds of, well, enjoy it while it lasts because, you know, two, three, four, ten years down the road, that honeymoon stage is over. That is hogwash. When that comes in your mind or someone says that to you, your question for them needs to be, really? Where does the Bible say that? Because it doesn't. See, the great thing is, God created marriage to be beautiful. The more we grow in God, the closer we get to God. The more we grow in His blessings and in His ways the more we begin to look like Him. Marriage is no different. Practice makes perfect. You're going to mess up. But you get up, you dust each other off, and you keep going. You say, baby, I'm sorry. I'm sorry too. How can I be better? I ask the girls that all the time. I ask Brian that. What ways can I grow? How can I be a better wife? How can I be a better mother? Not because I think I'm awful, but because I know there's always rooms to grow. Marriage is the same way. The longer we are together, the more we grow. Will you put up that picture for me of the tree? Marriage, I was thinking of this the other day, marriage to me is like a grafted tree. You've got a red dogwood and a white dogwood. You graft them together, and not only do you get one tree that's beautiful, and you still have part of the red, and you still have part of the white, but there's this beautiful array of colors. You're not just one boring color anymore. You are beautiful. You are so much more than you ever were alone. This is how marriage is. The beginning is not the best. The beginning is when you don't know each other. You're just getting to know each other. You're just getting to learn each other's ways. You've just gotten married and you're like, holy mackerel, I didn't know that he'd leave the toilet seat up all the time. I didn't know that she'd never shut the bathroom door when she goes to pee. There are all these things that you don't know about each other. You're starting to learn. But 10, 20, 30 years down the road, you know each other. You start emulating each other's ways. You start looking like each other. You start finishing each other's sentences. You can pick on each other about the way they joke or dance. Or don't dance. Marriage is beautiful. And it's only getting more beautiful with time as you let it. As you realize that that marriage is a picture of the love of God, you realize it really is more awesome with time. Brian and I are better now than we have ever been. The beginning was great. I absolutely enjoyed the beginning of our marriage. We, you know, they say the first year is the hardest year. And it, I mean, it wasn't a bowl of cherries or anything, but it wasn't bad. I enjoyed being married to him. And even on the rough days, 
the morning always came. And I never once wanted to leave. But today, wanting to leave isn't even in my vocabulary. We are one. And when he's gone, I'm glad he's going and he's getting fed. And I praise God for technology. We can see each other. We can FaceTime each other. But man, when he gets home, it's like I'm whole again. Because although I know that I am one in Christ, there's a part of me right now that's in West Virginia sitting in a seat listening to someone else preach. Marriage is a beautiful thing. And it's meant to get better and better with time. But too often we look at that grafted tree and before the the beauty of the tree can blossom, we see the slit and we see the scar of where they were grafted together and we start picking at it. And we want to pick at the differences. Well, why doesn't this look the way mine looks? And oh, there's a a cut there. Let's pick at that. Like a woman who picks picks at the zits and the bumps. We'll pick at it before it can blossom and turn into something beautiful. But the problem is we'll damage it. We'll never let it blossom because we keep trying to change it. We keep trying to figure out why it won't look like ours. We keep trying to make it something that it's not yet. When if we just sit back, root it in Christ, water it with the Word, and water it with love, suddenly it's this beautiful creation that it never could have been on its own. That now because they came together as one, it's a beautiful thing. So we have to stop trying to pull our marriage down, creating, making our spouse be something that they're not. And instead, change our marriage by chasing after Christ and not by running away from each other. Chase after Him together. You may be chasing after him like this side by side, but I guarantee as you keep chasing after him, what's going to happen is you're going to get closer and you're going to get closer and suddenly you realize you're chasing after him as one. But at least start chasing after him side by side because you will never grow. You will never be all that you were created to be if all you do is run away from each other and tear each other down. In the same way though, you can't put your spouse on a pedestal. There's been days when I looked at Brian and it was just like, oh, oh, he's so wonderful. And then I wake up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But there were, there were days when I, before I understood who I was in Christ, I thought Brian was my source of happiness and my source of joy. But I realized I was not only hurting myself, I was hurting him. Because when you put him up here on a pedestal, that's a long way to fall. When suddenly you realize he's not your source of happiness. And that's a, that's a hard road for him to do. For him to travel trying to be your source. Because the fact of the matter is, is he will never fulfill everything that God was called to fulfill in you. He will never give you that perfect love because he is a man. Because she is a woman. They will mess up. And that's okay. You dust them off and you keep loving them. You forgive them and you honor them for everything they are, not for everything they're not. You love them and you give them to Christ and you say, you know what? You are not my source. God is our source together and together we will go after God. 
for this joy, for this love, for whatever it is you're looking for. But the great thing is, as you look at God as your source for love, He will also fill you with a love for that person. You will never be able to love your spouse unless God is the source of that love. How about this one? Put yourself in your spouse's shoes. Empathize with them. Have you ever looked in the mirror and asked, my gosh, what is it like to be married to me? There are days in the beginning I would have shaken myself. There are days in the beginning I did scream at myself. Jimmy Evans says, five minutes of empathy each day will resurrect a dead marriage. Five minutes. There are 24 hours in a day. But five minutes of empathy. Five minutes of saying, what must it be like to be married to me? Can resurrect a dead marriage. If God can raise a man that's been stinking in the grave for four days, he can resurrect a marriage. And it starts with you. It's honoring them enough to think about their feelings and not just yours. Because you're not the only one in this marriage. You don't only reap what you sow, but you reap where you sow. So if you want a good marriage, how about sowing into your marriage? Sow into your spouse. Because when you do that, you're sowing into yourself. So how about you sow honor, you sow love, you sow forgiveness, you sow passion. And you don't have to start with the whole crop, just plant a seed. I read today that when you plant one tomato plant, you can yield anywhere from 8 to 20 pounds of tomatoes from one plant. Depending on what kind of vine, if it's trained or not trained and all this you know, other stuff. Well, how about this? You plant one seed in the soil of God, I guarantee you're going to get maximum output. So sow into your marriage. Sow service. Honor your spouse by serving them. If you're serving each other, what are you needing? If I'm serving Brian and he's serving me and we're thinking about each other and what each other needs, suddenly we realize we don't need each other or we don't need anything because we have each other. Because he's loving me. He's thinking about how can I honor Nicole? How can I bless her? You know, I came home from Tennessee on Friday and I walked in and my house was clean and there was a pretty little set of purple tulips on the island in my kitchen. And that blessed me so much. I'd been gone all week. It was a long week. It was a stressful week. But I know that Brian here alone with three kids and a ministry was a long week. And there was a lot on his plate. And yet he was thinking of me. It wasn't a big deal. He didn't clean the house. The kids did. But he asked them to. But he went and got me flowers. It was knowing that he cared enough because I'm one that when I get home, a clean house is a restful house for me. If I walk into a clean house, I can relax. He knows this and he ensured that it was that way. I love purple. He knows this. And he had beautiful purple flowers. Well, he left Tuesday 
to go to West Virginia. And I know when he gets in a car and he goes on a long trip, he snacks. That's one of the ways that he, you know, stays awake and, you know, stays engaged is, you know, listening to preaching. He already had that taken care of. He had a stack on, you know, the counter before he left of his preaching. And I didn't want him to have to stop and get gas station junk. So the girls and I went to the store and we filled a bag, a gift bag, full of some snacks that I knew he would like, full of his favorite candies. He's determined that hot tamales are from Satan. Because, yeah. But it was him getting in the car on a day when I'd already gone to work. And there was a package already there for him with a funny card. It had a funny joke in it, too. But it was serving each other. It was blessing each other. It was honoring each other by showing each other that we were thinking about each other. It was me not having to come home and clean. It was him not having to stop and get snacks because we had thought of each other. How much time did either one of those take? Minuscule. He ran into the store, found purple flowers, he picked them up, he dropped them in the vase. It didn't take long for me to go through the store, go up and down the aisles, find snacks I knew he'd like, drop it in a bag. But the love and the blessing that it created was priceless because it said to the other one, even in our busy schedule, I wanted to think of you. I wanted to put you first. We honored each other. And you know, the great thing, I look at the Last Supper and it's such a beautiful blessing. You know, the disciples were all sitting there and they're all discussing who's the best. Who does Jesus love the most? Who's the, who's the most awesome? And wouldn't you know it, the leader stands up and goes to serve every one of them, washes their feet. And they're like, oh my gosh, don't do that. You can't do that. Not you. And he's like, no. If you want to be a part of me, you need to let me serve you. What if we did that to our spouses? What a blessing. What kind of volumes do you think that would speak? That we serve them and put them first instead of constantly screaming and nagging at them. And the beauty of it is, is that selfishness, or selflessness, excuse me, selflessness is a selfish thing. It is absolutely impossible to bless someone else without getting blessed yourself. I challenge you to try it. One of my favorite episodes of Friends is where Phoebe finds, what is it, a thumb and drink or something like that. And, you know, so she gets paid, she gets paid a lot of money because she found this thing. And... So they're trying to compensate her for her agony or whatever. Well, she goes throughout the whole episode trying to give, you know, get rid of these blessings because, you know, she's not, I can't do this. This is selfish. So she keeps trying to give them away, you know, and she's trying to be selfless. But every time she does, blessings come back to her and she's like, no, no, no. And it was such a funny episode because, I mean, Phoebe was just funny as it is. But I sat there and I'm like, Lord, this is, this is hilarious, but this is so you. It is absolutely impossible to sow blessings into anyone, anywhere, and not get blessed. So as you sow into your spouse, I guarantee you, you will be blessed. 
Honor your spouse enough to ask for help. It's okay to say, I don't know. It's okay to say, we need help. It's okay to say, let's call our pastor. You are given a shepherd for a reason. Because we aren't expected to know it all. Praise God, even Brian doesn't know it all. And there's times when, you know, we've encountered stuff, you know, in ministry or in the world, and we're like, you know this? Nope. You know this? Nope. Do-do-do, Pastor Gene. And we get counsel. There's nothing wrong with that. It's worse to walk in pride and say, I can't get help or I won't get help than to step into humility and say, I love you enough to ask for help. You know, the thing is, the devil works in darkness and lack of knowledge. So he will whisper in your ear, you don't need that. If you go talk to the pastor, they're going to think you're weak. You're a leader in the church. You're a leader in the community. You can't admit that you don't know or that you have a weakness in your life. You need to keep your mouth shut. Do you know what they'll think of you? He's going to whisper all these things to you because he wants you in darkness. He wants you in lack of knowledge because he doesn't want you blessed. He doesn't want you united as one because if he can slowly get in there and chisel you apart from your spouse, it's like you're knocking at a tree, cutting firewood. You start with one thing, but as you keep hammering that axe down, suddenly that wood starts to split and it becomes apart. But God said, what I've put together, let no man separate. So don't let man separate it. Don't let the lies of Satan separate it. Go and ask for help. But be wise. Don't get advice from anyone that you're not willing to trade places with. So when you need godly counsel on your marriage, do not find that person that's been married three times. You know, the world's going to say, well, they've been married three times. They know definitely what not to do. Is true. But how about you go to God and find what to do? And for Pete's sake, do not put it all over social media. There is a place to disclose your problems, and it is behind closed doors with your pastor or behind closed doors with your spouse. Anywhere else, it doesn't need to go. It doesn't need to go to mom and daddy. It doesn't need to go to your sister. It doesn't need to go to your best friend. It either needs to go to your spouse or your pastor where you are asking for godly counsel. Because anything else, and what you're doing is you are telling the world that your marriage has a weak spot. And I will guarantee you that Satan will send someone in there to be for your spouse what you are currently not being. He'll say, oh look, Brian's feeling lonely. Let's send someone in there to cook for him. Let's send someone in there that will wear little frilly dresses. Or blink her eyes. Because Nicole was stupid enough to put on Facebook, Brian said this, or I did that, and he can just go to you know where. Or I'm packing my bags and moving for a week. You can't post it all over Facebook and expect Satan not to try to intervene. But what you can do is you can pick up that phone and call your pastor and say, you know what? We've hit a road bump, but we know God is bigger than that, and we would like you to help us. We would like you to give us godly counsel of how to get past this.
That's how you honor your marriage. That's how you save your marriage. That's also how you honor yourself. You don't look very wise, very smart, very cool on Facebook airing your problems out or calling mama. It says, leave your mother and father and become one. You can still have a relationship with your parents, but they are not your source anymore. Genesis 2:24 and 25 says, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to the wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they did not feel shame. Barrett's laughing at me. I did say naked. They were naked. They bore all before each other, and they weren't ashamed. And of course, you know, what this signifies is each other's special parts are the most sensitive. And when sin came in, those are the parts that they covered that they hid. But we can be naked before our spouse and not be ashamed. We can bear all before our spouse when our marriage is pure. When our marriage is holy and founded in love. When we keep our marriage pure, there is nothing to be ashamed of. So can you bear all before your spouse? And I don't mean just your birthday suit. I mean, we're talking about being naked. But I'm talking about, can you bear all? Can you tell each other of your past? The things that you haven't told anyone. The things that you don't even want to remember yourself because you're so ashamed. Can you bear all with your spouse? You should. You're one. There are things that Brian and I have told each other that we found healing in. Because he confessed that to me and I confessed it to him. And he had words of wisdom for me. And I had words of love for him. And we were able to heal together over things that happened before we ever even knew each other. Start doing that. Create a pure marriage where you can be one. Where you can bear all before each other knowing that this is the one person in the world that will not judge me. That will love me unconditionally. That I can be 110% me in front of. This is the one person that knows me some days better than I know myself. Because we are pure together. Because we love each other no matter what. No matter what our past held. No matter what today held. We can bear all before each other. Ask each other for forgiveness, for love, for wisdom, and receive it. Realizing that we will make mistakes. Realizing that we love each other no matter what. Honor your spouse with that trust. Don't keep secrets. There is never ever a secret you need to keep from your spouse. Because if you can't tell your spouse, you yourself don't need to know it. They are a part of you. Communication is key in marriage. Honor your spouse by trusting them, 
by being open with them. And I guarantee you, as you do, your spouse will begin to honor you and trust you as well. I don't care what your marriage was like before you walked in here. Walk out with a determination that my marriage from this moment forward will be pure. That if there's stuff from 10 years ago or 20 minutes ago, when we get home, I'm going to tell you. Because we are one. And if I know it, you need to know it. Because we need to seek God together for forgiveness or healing or whatever it is you need. So what does my spouse want? How can I honor them? Here's a few of the top things that men and women want and how you can honor them. Men want honor and respect. It's not a respect through domination, but men are to love their wives as Christ loved the church, and wives are to respect their husbands as she respects the Lord. It's a reverence. It's a love for her Lord. Well, if Christ is loving you the way he loved the church, or if, God, if your husband is loving you the way Christ loved the church, then you should respect your husband the way you do your Lord. Don't nag him. Honor him with your trust. Honor him as the man that he is to be, not just how he is acting. Remember Proverbs 31. He was esteemed in the city because of how she esteemed him. You can help your man to be the man he is to be by honoring him. Men will die for honor. It is one of the highest things they need. Ladies, cover his faults and celebrate his strengths. I guarantee you your husband knows his strengths. But he will never be your knight in shining armor if you won't remind him of his strengths. He knows his faults, excuse me. He will never be your knight in shining armor if you are constantly pointing out his weaknesses instead of building up his strengths. Take his faults to God. Let God fix those. He can't fix them himself, so why constantly bring them up? Those are things that he needs God. But you remind him of the strengths that he has. You remind him of the strong anointed man of God that he is. And I guarantee you, he will try to live up to that. Because again, Men won't honor. Ladies, men need sex. Men are more visual. They enjoy you naked or in lingerie and not in granny panties and a moo-moo. But women or men, women will dress in that more if you make them feel like they're the most beautiful thing on the earth. I don't care if they're a size 2 or a size 22. They need to feel like you have eyes only for them. They don't need to hear you oogling and ogling over some woman on TV or commenting on every woman that walks by or watching her walk in the door and back out. As far as that woman knows, she is the most beautiful thing in the world. But women, his eyes will stay on you a lot more if you are not in them granny panties and a moo-moo. Now that doesn't mean that every man that cheats is the woman's fault. I am not saying that, and I will not be quoted as that. But I am saying men need sex. They are visual. They want to see their woman being beautiful. Men want their wives to be friends. We want our husbands to open up and to communicate. A man will communicate more when he is having fun. 
What does he do with the, with the guys? They go out to ball games or they go to the you know, pool table. They go do stuff. They have fun together. And when they're having fun together is when they're talking their man talk. Have fun with your husband. Let go of the house. Find a sitter for the kids. Have fun. One of my favorite posts recently was reading when Jade and Paul went out dancing. They had fun together. I read that and I was like, yes! Because I knew if they were out dancing, Scarlett was not with them. And that was so beautiful to me. It's a husband and a wife out enjoying each other. They need that. But I know me as a mom, I have to work at that. Because I want my house looking good for my husband. I want him to see that his house is not a cave, it's a castle. I want my kids feeling loved. I want to build their esteem and let them know they are loved. And sometimes I forget that I need to stop and love on my husband. Not just have him a clean house and good kids. Yes, ma'am. Oh, oh, uh uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, thank you. I was saying. It's on. Okay. I'm the same as you. I was thinking in my head. I was at work. I was saying, okay, I got to get home. I got to get my dishes done and the laundry called up and yada, yada. He calls me before I got off and said, come home and get dressed. We're going out. Like it was like a, we're going to do this. And yeah. this is going to happen type thing. Yeah. And it was. I, I like went, I told all my employees, I was like, guess what? I'm going to, like, it was awesome. Yeah. And sometimes, men, we need you to arrange that. We need you to tell us it's okay if there are dishes in the sink. It's okay if little Susie has on the same pair of pants this morning that got dirty. We're going to send her to the sitters with her dirty stained knees, and we're going to go out and have fun. And wives, you go. Men need you to be their friends. Women. Men, women want security. They want to know that you will be her knight in shining armor. They want to know that they can feel secure and safe in you. They want to know that they are a priority above work, above golf, above the boys. They want to know that they come first. Why do you think they watch all them stupid love movies? You know, the, what, whatever channels, Lifetime or Hallmark. In my grandmother's days, it was them Harlequin novels. <laughs> you know, this big old burly man, and he's, you know, wisping this woman off. Because they want to know that a man will whisk her away from the cares of this world. Men love your wife as Christ loved the church. He loved, so he gave. Be sensitive to her needs. She needs to know that you're thinking of her. Kind of like Brian with the tulips. It blessed me to know that he had three kids all week and a ministry. He had to preach. He had stuff going on, counseling. And yet he took the time to get me flowers. That blessed me. Women want soft, unsexual affection. They don't want you just constantly grabbing their behind or their breast and telling them how hot they are. They want you kissing on their neck. They want you playing with their hair, rubbing their back, coming up behind them and just hugging them. And I guarantee as you increase your affection, she will increase her passion. 
Women want open and honest communication. They don't just want grunts and groans. She connects with you through communication. I know used to, I was a stay-at-home mom. We owned our own business. I worked out of the house, and I was home with the kids all day. And when Brian came home, I wanted to talk about anything except for Barney and Clifford the, the big red dog. So he came home, and how was your day, dear? Eh, good. What'd you do? Work. Okay. Great. I wanted to know, how was your day, dear? What did you do? Well, I got up, and I got dressed, and I was thinking about this as I was getting dressed, and then I went off, and I got some, you know, a ham biscuit from Bojangles. You know, they have really good tea. And then I went to this account, and, well, we did this, and we talked about that, and, you know, it just made me good to hear him say this. I wanted the whole gamut, not just, eh, eh. Women want communication. Women need a strong leader. They don't want to be dominated. They're created as an equal, but they want a man to lead them. They want a man to be a strong leader in their household. They want a man who will lead their kids. They want a man who will lead them sexually, who will lead them spiritually, who will lead them financially. And whether your woman will admit it or not, she wants that. Men don't need another mama, so stop trying to be it. So many women say, no, I'd rather handle this. But every time they do, they are desiring something and they don't even know what it is. But you find a woman that wears the pants in the family and you will find a woman that is unfulfilled. I guarantee it. She may not know why, she may not be able to say why, but she will also respect her husband less. Because she needs that man to be a man. She needs him to be a leader in their household. So men, man up, and women, stop treating them like boys. We don't meet each other's needs through our own feelings and desires. Women need to be more sexual and men need to communicate. Not because men like to talk and not because a woman wants to give sex three, four, five, six times a week, but because they're putting each other first. And because as one serves the other, the other is serving the one. And because as they are doing that, they are fulfilling each other's needs, and suddenly they realize they lack nothing. And suddenly they realize that they are desiring so much of the same thing because they have truly become one. They enjoy talking about their days with their wives. She enjoys being intimate with him because through those words he is intimate with her. We're operating as one instead of as a fraction. Abigail, if you put up that last picture. Pastor Brian tells us, love is a choice and a commitment to unconditional giving at the leading of God. You choose to love and you choose to honor, even on the days you don't like them. You sow God into the situation by sowing love. You want something better, you sow love into it because God is love. And as you sow love, you will sow God into that situation and He will not return void in any area of your life. There is nowhere in the Bible that says one day you just fall out of love and you can break that covenant bond. You will not find there anywhere. God didn't want divorce. He didn't even really approve of it. 
It was put in there because of the hardness of men's hearts. He said, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Men, honor your husbands. You are united as one. As one. Therefore, anything else is less. You will find true joy in your marriages when you invest love and honor. So you ask God daily, Lord, lead me. It says, at the leading of God. Lead me, Lord, how to love my spouse. No matter what he or she may do. Lead me on how I can give to them today. How can I bless them today? How can I lighten their load today? How can I show them your kind of love today? It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what they did to me this morning or five minutes ago or last night or last week. I am choosing to love them because you chose to love me when I didn't deserve it. I am choosing to honor them because I love them. So Lord, lead me. You start doing that, and I guarantee you your marriage will look so much different than anything the world thought that marriage could be. And as more Christians stand up and do that and realize that that's what a marriage is supposed to look like, our world will start looking differently. So Father, we thank you today. We thank you for your love, for your grace, for your honor, for your wisdom. We thank you, Lord, for our spouses. And for those of us that aren't married, Lord, we thank you for the man or the woman that you have called to be ours. We wait patiently for them because we know that you have one that is set for us. And Lord, for the one that you have given us, we bless them. We call them honored. We call them anointed. We call them everything that you call them to be and we thank you for them. We thank you for the blessing that they are to us and the blessing that they are to you. And so, Lord, we just give them and our marriage to you and we ask for your wisdom. How can we honor them? How can we bless them and love them the way you love them? Help us, Lord, to see our spouse through your eyes. Help us to love them with your love. And help us daily to honor them and to honor our marriage. And I thank you that as we do that, our marriage begins to look like everything that you created it to be. I thank you that our marriages are a beautiful picture of your love for us. I thank you that our marriages preach to the world about your goodness and your grace. I thank you that this world has seen where we started and they see where we're going. Stronger than ever before unbreakable. I thank you that that is a word that comes out of the mouths about, from people about our marriage. I don't care what goes on. Their marriage is unbreakable. They have a love for each other like I've never seen. It's crazy. I don't understand it. I thank you, Father, for that love that is ours. I thank you that we have a pure marriage. That we are able to bear all before each other without shame and that we are able to love each other and forgive each other and honor each other and respect each other each and every day because we love them with your love and I pray over every single marriage here and every single marriage that's watching online or 
later in the archives, I thank you that no matter what their marriage started out like when this message started, I thank you that from this point forward, it will continue to grow stronger in you. I thank you that even if that marriage has been dead and stinking for days or months or years, that you will raise it from the dead because they give it to you. I thank you that never again will their marriage be weak because they have put it in your hands. They have put each other in your hands and they choose to love each other unconditionally through your leading. And we praise you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I went longer than 37 minutes. Good night, y'all. <laughs>